0: We were born an original. Don't die an imitation. We were born an original. Did you know John and Pam? There's only one John and one Pam that'll ever be like you. And they look at each other and say, thank goodness. (laughs) I shared with you all the years ago, I was trying to find my niche as a pastor and Well, God, how do I preach? I was reading Billy Graham stuff. I was reading David Wilkerson stuff. I was reading this stuff, that stuff. And God just really tenderly spoke to me one day. and said, I already have a Billy Graham and I already have a David Wilkerson. I need a Tim Masters. Okay. God needs a John and a Pam. God needs a Carol. God needs a Sarah Dry. God needs a Rick. No. God needs these young men up here. He needs us to be us. We're all originals. The problem is, is we're trying to be like somebody else. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor and Teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. My sons and daughters, listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Why so easily and readily do you allow the left and the right to turn you this way or that way when I lay right before you? I stand right before you. In victory, I give all of you. Come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me, and I will give you rest, says your Lord and Savior. Thank you, God. If you're new to a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit and believes in the unctions of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of of words of knowledge, anointing, power, authority, I'm here and I, I'm just really sensing God moving upon me. started about 5.30 this morning as I was praying and I just had that over, overwhelming thought. That it just says, come, come all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I just had that overwhelming. That's why when we came this morning, I, I frankly forgot that this was communion Sunday and I'm thinking, okay, God, I can, I can go to Luke, I can go to John, I can go to, to Corinthians, I could go, you know, the th- half a dozen different places and talk about it. But he said, no, I want you to go to Luke, and I want you to emphasize these things. And I, and I think in all of it, he says, I so am looking forward to spending the time with us then at the Last Supper and the time with us in a time soon to come at his Father's table. How many I looking forward to that day? I just want to quickly take you into God's Word this morning, but before we do, I want to recognize two of our active-duty Marines that are with us. Zach and Isaac, would you stand up? Give me five. Give me five. Now give me a hug. So proud of these boys, are we? So grateful. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. I call them boys still. They're always going to be boys to me, but I'm just so grateful, grateful to them. And many. Uh, we have many uh, retired military, ex-military, uh, discharged military, uh, different. So just so grateful to all of y'all that we are. We were born an original. Don't die an imitation. We were born an original. Did you know John and Pam? There's only one John and one Pam that'll ever be like you. And they look at each other and say, thank goodness. <laughs> I shared with you all the years ago, I was trying to find my niche as a pastor. And well, God, how do I preach? I was reading Billy Graham stuff. I was reading David Wilkerson stuff. I was reading this stuff, that stuff. And God just really tenderly spoke to me one day. and said, I already have a Billy Graham and I already have a David Wilkerson. I need a Tim Masters. Okay. God needs a John and a Pam. God needs a Carol. God needs a Sarah dry. God needs a Rick. No. God needs these young men up here. He needs us to be us. We're all originals. The problem is, is we're trying to be like somebody else. And sadly, the church is so desperately trying to be like the world. They use the scripture, all things to all men, that by all means we can read some. But the problem is, God didn't tell us to become like them. He said to become like me, like Jesus even though some might say it's an arrogant thing, a Christian. I always think this is one of those obvious realities, so I, I use it a lot as in this type of example. is All you all know that I ride motorcycles, and I, I, I've ridden and owned Harleys for years and years and years. I rode other kind of motorcycles. and My wife and I sold our Harley a, a few years ago, and we've told ourselves, we're going to get another one. We're going to get another one. We just haven't got another one yet. This time we're probably going to get three wheels. <laughs> Unless I keep, get my next-door neighbor Bob to always help me on and off, then that might. <clears throat> I always ride with a helmet. I don't ride without a helmet. And please, I know the law in Arizona says you can ride without one, but I've seen too many of the people that did that had accidents. They generally don't make it. It's tough to make it on a motorcycle when you have an accident in the first place. So why do something that just lowers the odds even more? I've ridden, and there's something that I use for an example, is a Harley-Davidson has always been called an American original. And is truly one of the first original motorcycles in all of history. But it was the motorcycle that patented the Harley sound. Everybody has tried to imitate it, but nobody has quite gotten it. And they have it patented. It's a certain uh, it's a 45 degree turn of the V twin engine that produces that unique sound. It's a common crank pin that they function at this, this 45 degree angle that produces that sound. And can I tell you, there's lots and lots of motorcycles, but there's only one original. Let me leave that for a second and go to Christianity. Becoming a Christian is not praying a prayer only. It's praying a prayer, making a commitment, and living a life. That's what the term Christian means, Christ-like. Now, the very first time we read the word Christian is in the book of Acts, The Bible says that they had come to Antioch, and they were first called Christians at that place. And it was not a compliment back then. Can I tell you, it's not a compliment today, which is why some of us don't want to show our Christianity. And we try to imitate the world so that we can be cool Christians. Look at somebody and say, Pastor's been reading my Facebook page, hasn't he? Folks, I'm not interested in being a cool Christian because it'll get me to a hot destination. I want to be a hot Christian. Can somebody say amen? You see, it's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. It's a way of life through the death, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not simply a religion. It is the fact of the propagation of the only hope that we have for mankind that is found through God's Word. And as I've already you, you heard me, churches right here in Flagstaff, why did I talk about it? You shouldn't talk about other churches in Flagstaff. Folks, we might be a small town, but the devil don't care. If he can get people to turn, he'll do it. And just like the Harley, even though that's one, there's millions more of other motorcycles that will get you to the same destination as the Harley will. But unlike the Harley... There's only one religion that will get you to the destination that God wants you to get to, though many Christian churches will say there's many roads. I love the way our, our friend and brother Russ Miller puts it. Oh, there are many roads to God, but only one road to the Savior. The other roads to God, it's called a judge. I've said for many years, I think the enemy has divided and conquered the church already because he denominationalized it. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to different denominations as long as they stay adhered to God's word. That word adhered is the root of the Greek word that we draw the word disciple from. But did you notice that today we don't hear about Christians being disciples? We hear about them being called followers. I know a lot of people that'll follow as long as it's smooth sailing. I, I remember that uh, that uh, Livingston was blazing the trail in Africa to reach the unreached people with the Gospel of Jesus Christ and the missions organization that was behind him that was supporting him, that was helping to fund his travels said, when you get the trail blazed and the road set, let us know that we can come and follow behind you. And he said, if you need to come and follow me, I don't need you. You need to blaze the trail with me. See, the problem is it's okay to be a follower as long as it's okay. But ladies and gentlemen, it ain't okay being a Christian in the hour we live. I keep doing the little, the little, uh, uh, what do they call that? Quotations. Because that's what the world, Christian is just a term, quote, unquote. Well, folks, it isn't a term to me. It's a life to me. Can somebody say amen? But it's a life that I can only find as I spend desperate time in God's word. Back there in Luke 22, look it he says, fervent desire. I've desired to eat this with you before I suffer. Folks, can I tell you something about this word? It's with fervent desire that I spend time in it because I know it's the only way I can spend time out there victoriously. Is that making any sense It's the only way that I can spend time in this world. When I face something I don't know what to deal with, can I tell you something? God already told me how to deal with it. This weekend, gentlemen, Friday and Saturday, we're going to have our first annual men's summit. I... What, we have a bunch of these flyers still, Dan. They're in the bulletin. They're in the bulletin. Oh, that was that word from bulletin. last week. <laughs> Gentlemen, ladies, take one. Give it to somebody. Amen. When they say, do you think I need this? Your answer should be, yes. I'm coming. You think I need this? Yeah, we, one of the things that I teach when I teach men, say, guys, you got to develop convictions before circumstance. The only way, and I've had people tell me, well, I don't know what I'm going to do until I get there. I know what I'm going to do before I get there. Because I know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at that situation. But why can I say I know what I'm going to do when I get there? I already developed a conviction beforehand. You know how I developed a conviction? God, what's your word say about this? Oh, it says don't be alone with another woman other than your wife. Oh, okay. I'll, I, you know, every, periodically we'll have somebody come by the house. Uh, that's one of the ladies from the church. And generally, not generally, every single time, if my wife's not home, I'll sit on the front porch. I'll talk and I'll visit, but I'll sit on the front porch. and even that's questionable. You got you know, it's the hour we live. But the wrong place is always. Wrong time. <laughs> Flee the appearance. I'm going to go hang around with a bunch of guys, but I'm not going to hang around with a bunch of girls. Ladies, I love you, but I ain't doing it. If my wife's there, I'm there. Why am I saying all of this? God's Word is the original. God's Word is the only place that I can find hope. It is the only place that I can find victory. It's the only place that I can find sustenance that will take me through the different affairs of this life. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Come on. And then you drop down the 14th verse, and the, May, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld Him. Oh, this is a different. NLT. Sorry. Among us, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. There's not multiple ways. There's one way. On the screen, look at this. Since the beginning, since the very beginning, I take you all the way back to man's first encounter on earth with the devil in a place called eden in the very beginning the devil never denied god's word all he did was questioned it did god say As a matter of fact he did did god say since the beginning the enemy has worked overtime to counterfeit the truth Thereby giving multitudes the temptation. There might be an alternative. It may not be this hard. It may not be that. You know, Jesus said, I desired fervently to do this before I suffered. As he suffered, the Bible says we. Matthew 7, look what it says. You can enter God's kingdom only. Only. Did I leave that in your, in, your, in your notes? Circle that word only. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. I think that gives me the impression there's only one. And pardon me if I get a little rude and crude. You can't get there fat and sassy on the devil's lies. You won't fit through the gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide. And there are many. Circle that word, many. And then I want you to put underline and exclamation points after these next two words. Who choose. Can I tell you something? Nobody accidentally goes to hell. And nobody accidentally misses heaven. We choose. The gateway to life is narrow, and the road is difficult. The gateway to life is narrow, and the road is difficult. And only a few. Is it difficult? Not at all. Oh, yeah, you're going to deal with It's not. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to get to my dad? I'll get you there. You want to get to my father? I'll get you there. Acts chapter 4 says there is salvation in no one else. No other name. It's not in your notes, but you you need to write it down. I mean, it's in your notes, it's not on the screen. There is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Now I want to take you back to this passage in Luke that we use for the communion. I want to take you back to the original, stop trying to be like everybody else, imitation of our scriptures. And to a passage that's not in your, it's not in your notes, but you can read it later. It's, a, it's the, uh, the, the passage that talks about the wheat and the tares. It talks about a sower going out and he sowed the seed and the field for the purpose of wheat coming forth. And then it says immediately the enemy went out in the cover of night to sow weed seed. Tares as some of your scriptures, some of the translations. What is the picture here? He went out secretly unaware purposefully with agenda to plant the weeds. But here's what happens. Remember the deceiver was right at the table with Jesus. The deceiver can be right in the church. Matter of fact Paul said I'm going away. But I need to tell you that ravenous wolves are going to rise up some of your own people in the church. That's why the first thing Jesus said when they asked about the coming of the Lord said, make sure that you're not deceived. So the we. And the seed, the weed, and the wheat grew up together. And in Matthew 13, you can read it after class today. You couldn't even tell them apart. Unless you knew what you were looking for. The servants came and said, Master, should we go get the weeds out of there? Said, no, no, you can't. Because you pull the weeds some of the wheat's going to go too. He said, let it all grow and it will expose itself. But sadly, some of the wheat still is pulled out because the wheat, like the weed, they get so entwined. Well, I can't stand up against that. I mean, what's this whole homosexual agenda? God's not against love. Not at all. As long as it's between a man and a woman. A woman and a man. God's the one that created it. I'm always amazed by the fact that we got to talk about sexuality publicly all the time. I don't walk around talking about my heterosexuality. Me and my friend Dan or me and my friend Bob or me and my friend Jack or me and my friend uh, Frank over here, we're walking down the road. Hey, how's your heterosexuality doing? Huh? Huh?" (laughs) But I tell you what, if I'm of the other ilk, I'm shouting from a rooftop. And bless God, you better not be opposed to it. God's not opposed to love, not at all, but he is opposed to lust, which is what is called burning and ill affection. The weeds and the wheat, all of a sudden they start kind of coming together, and this is happening in the church. You can't tell the bad seed from the good seed. Why? Because the good seed won't stand up for a fear of offending the bad seed. But the good seed has need that you stand against the bad seed. God's Word, it's on the screen, tells us in the last days. Listen to me. There will be genuine Christians and fake Christians. And fake Christians will be very convincing. In fact, they'll even be able to deceive the real Christians. And the only way you can tell the difference between the genuine and the fake it's watch them. You know the root by the fruit. People say the Bible has to be updated. Many Christians <coughs> say the Bible has to be updated. Well, let me give you a little history. There's a book called The Bible. Written over 1,500 years, 40 different authors from every walk of life, including kings, peasants, philosophers, fishermen, poets, scholars, and statesmen. Written in different locations and situations in the wilderness, in a dungeon, in a palace, in a prison wall, while traveling on a lonely island in the midst of war. Written at times of peace and times of battle, in times of joy, in times of great sorrow, in times of depression, on a span of three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, and in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And it covers hundreds of controversial subjects in harmony and continuity from Genesis to Revelation. Still, with the single unfolding chord the scarlet blood of Jesus throughout. There's not another book on earth that does it. I'm not thinking it needs updated. I think it was good in the beginning. I think it'll be good in the end. God's word. It's on the screen. Look at this. Teaches us what is right. Helps us to know how to do right. Corrects us that we can get right. And shows us how to stay right. What else could you want? And it's all right here in this book of books. But the bottom line is you've got to apply it. If you're going to know right, do right, be corrected, if we're not right, and stay right. You've got to apply it. It's not in your notes, but write this down. James 1, 22 and 25. Do not merely listen to God's word. You know how many Christians the only Bible they get is Sunday morning <clears throat> if they go to a church that preaches the Bible. Do not merely, merely listen to the Word. And what's the next three words say? I was waiting for you to open your Bibles. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the Word, so deceiving your own self. You mean I can listen to God's Word and still be deceived? Remember the deceiver was sitting at the table with the living Word. And he was still deceived. Why? He chose to listen and not do. You've got to do. So look, 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 look what it says here. How many are there? James chapter 1. Say amen. Good. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceiving yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like the man that behelds his face in a mirror. After looking at himself, how many of y'all ever done that? Oh, excuse me, none of you guys. Ladies, how many of you ever did Okay, frankly, yes, you guys do too. You walk by a mirror. You ever walk by a mirror? You look to the left. Actually, the other left. To the right. To the left. And let me ask you a question. The minute you walked away from it, you forgot what you looked like. That's what James 1 says. He said, you're like the man beholding your face in a glass. And the minute you walk away, you forget what you look like. This is the same way with the person who just listens to God's word. And doesn't read God's word and apply God's word soon he will think it's okay to do what God's word says you can't do. I've made a statement for many years. God will never condone what his word condemns. Second thing quickly, man's word, though convincing, can be counterfeit. You see, it's not always understanding, comprehension, or clarification It's a matter of obedience to God's word if we're to understand God's will. Very simply, God's will is that we apply God's word God's way. Ezra chapter 7, and it's on the screen, and I want to take you a little historic overview of Ezra. Look what it says there, Ezra devoted himself to study the observance of the law of the Lord and to teach his decrees and the laws uh, to Israel. Ezra was part of the captivity of the Babylon, the Babylonian captivity, along with Daniel, Meshach, Sadrach, Abednego, Nehemiah, uh, uh, so many, so many of them, Esther. It's interesting, most people don't understand and they don't follow the timeline that... Esther, or Ezra and Nehemiah were alive at the same time. Esther was alive at the same time. Matter of fact, in chronological order, if you take a chronological Bible, you will find that Nehemiah follows Esther. But in the regular Bible layout, it doesn't. Artaxerxes is the son of Xerxes, Xerxes was Esther's husband. Remember Queen Esther who stood up and went to the king to spare the Jewish people? Xerxes, Artaxerxes, follows a guy named Cyrus. I'm using these names because there's a lot of this thrown around in this last time in our own political environment, thinking that that this president or this scenario that we're in right now likens itself very much to this passage. Why? Because it was ungodly people, Xerxes and Artaxerxes, that God used for the deliverance of his people. Now, I'm not saying that Trump's godly or ungodly. That's for y'all to figure out. I'm not even worrying about it. But the whole climax of it was they needed to build the wall. It's all right there between Esther and Nehemiah. And it's interesting, the book of Esther continues at the end of 2 Chronicles with King Cyrus. That's where Esther really, uh, I mean, excuse me, Ezra really picks up with Cyrus, the king of Persia issuing a decree that permitted the Jews to go back to Jerusalem after the 70 years of captivity. For what purpose? To be taught God's word by Ezra. Artaxerxes and Xerxes said, send them back so they can get close to God. I guess after... Getting all the stuff about Nebuchadnezzar that kind of got, I don't want to be a cow, so I better do something. You see, God can use polytheistic kings to do his work, even to pay for the work. What am I talking about, folks? You can get all into the politics. You can get into the philosophy. But you can't beat getting into God's word and G-O-D. Can somebody say amen? amen. See, the ultimate reality, God's going to get done what God said he's going to get done. Isaiah chapter 55 says, so is my word. It goes forth and accomplishes that, what I sent it forth to do. And it will not come back void. Amen. When Jesus says there is no other way. Not only is Jesus the original, but he is the only way to heaven. Let me wrap this up quickly. Mark Twain said, Samuel Clement said, It's not the parts of the the Bible I don't understand that bother me. You see, online. we but always want to go, oh, you know, it depends ccdz.org. on your interpretation. First problem, God's interpretation is all that matters. And that's ccdz.org. the Bible interpreting the Bible. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand. See, Sunday those aren't the ones 10, of the enemy questions. Did God say? 26, it's 26, the parts that are black and white. Very Avenue, simple. Man shall not sleep with man as with woman. Woman shall not sleep with woman as with man. There is only one name whereby you must be saved. There's only one way to the Father. I, I could go Scripture to Scripture to Scripture, but the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is we have to get back to the Scripture if we want to get to glory. Can somebody say amen? You see, trust is the key to all we will ever be in God. And trust is the root of to obedience. there's several keys, and I'm going to put them on the screen just real quick. Several keys when it comes to our relationship with God and the use of God's Word. First and foremost, and it's in your notes, we must trust God. Circle that in your notes. Why? Because if you don't trust God, there's the door. You might as well go home. Because there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to make a difference. There's nothing that this church is going to do that's going to make a difference. Oh, no, I'm not telling you to leave, but I'm telling you, if you don't trust. God, if you don't trust that this is God's Word, why are we here? First and foremost, we must trust God. Look at the screen. Even if we don't understand. See, this is what Naaman did. The prophet told Naaman, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. He got all ticked off. said, I don't want to dip myself in the Jordan River. We talked about it last week. It's the dirtiest river in the whole nation. Why am I going there? Couldn't he have told me to go to this river that's a lot nicer? God, why am I going through this? I don't want it, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to good, How's that working for you? Where are you going to go? Remember when, when, when Jesus came to the disciples, I always think the irony of it is is Jesus is dealing with the disciples and he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you can have no part of me. Literally saying, my life has to become your life and your life has to become my life or you're not going to make it for me. Everybody left. Thousands left him at the time. Now you would think Jesus would would fix that and say, guys, hey, what I meant to say, you know, like some churches are doing, Well, this is what God really said. What I meant to say is what they would say Jesus would do at that place. Guys, they they didn't get it. Come on. You know me, guys. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants to be your best friend. But he'll never be your best buddy. I know that's tough preaching. I tell people all the time, I I love folks. I love people. And I'll be your friend, but I can't be your buddy. Why? You ever try to get disciplined by your buddy? Ah, you know, you're just like me. Hey, come on, we're, we're buds. We're chums. We're... Whatever terms you use, I don't. I always think it's interesting. You know what the book of Revelation says the number of man is? 666. You know where you find this passage? John 666. John chapter 6, verse 66. I just kind of think that's interesting. First and foremost, you've got to trust God. That's what Naaman Naaman had to do. Second thing is even when it seems illogical, Jesus told the disciples, okay, go get me six water pots because the governor of the feast is asking for wine. Folks, it doesn't make sense. Why the heck are you asking for water pots full of water when the governor is asking for wine? It wasn't logical, but you know what Mary said? Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Let let, let me go on here. Number three. Even if opinions vary, God's word is always right. Are you sure? The fourth thing, even when all else fails, even when it doesn't work the way you think it should, God won't fail. 2 Timothy says, when you're faithless, God remains faithless. In Mark chapter 5, we find the woman with the issue of blood spent her money to go into every doctor, every shrink, every person they could possibly go to, and only was getting worse in Mark 5. Jairus, come, Master. Just, just come and touch my daughter. I know she'll be healed. The daughter dies, and they said, don't bother the Master any longer. Your daughter's already dead. And you know what Jesus said? Only have faith. Just believe. Everything you believe for might have died in front of you. But God said, will you trust me? Will you trust me? When you can't, trace God's hand. Folks, I I, I don't pretend to have the answers. I know the answer, and I know where to find the answers, but I don't pretend to know everything. But I can tell you this one truth. When I cannot trace God's hand, why in the world am I facing this? Why am I going through this? I can still trust God's heart He won't let me go through anything I can't handle. And if I'm going through it, it's only because God's taken me to it and God's going to get me to the next place. Can somebody say amen? I know I told you I was wrapping this up. So I am. You know what happens when a pastor, you know what it means when a pastor says in closing, Absolutely nothing, it means nothing. But I really am. Number three. What am I talking about, folks? You gotta be an original. You gotta stay an original. And the only way to stay an original, you have to follow the original. You say, Well, Pastor, what's the alternative? Hell. You die in imitation. We learn God's will as we study God's Word. It's only then will we begin to walk in God's way. I talked earlier about convictions. And it's on the screen. I want you to look at this. How do we develop convictions? I've had people ask me this all the time. And I've taught it to the men's group many times. I've never taught it here in a sanctuary setting uh, and I may do it someday, but very simply, how do you, you develop convictions? Well, first and foremost, you've got to see what God's Word says about it. Why don't I hang out with women other than my wife, except my wife is there? Because God says, flee the appearance of evil. I could be very innocently setting, having coffee with, with Sarah, and all of a sudden, Tim walks by. Isn't that Pastor? Yeah. And Sarah? Where's Pastor Jewel? And you know, we, we might be talking and, and she, might be, she might be getting close because she doesn't want everybody to hear her personal business. Can I ask you something, Pastor, what are you doing listening to her personal business without somebody else? But do you see what it looks like? I've fired pastors over the years because they wouldn't listen to one of my short, simple office rules. You never counsel a woman alone. That's right. I had a pastor one time would close the door, counsel, and God only knows. See, don't, you don't. I had to open the door several times. You don't do that. How do you develop commitment? What's God's Word say about it? The second thing real quick is choose to obey and apply God's Word. The third thing. Begin to expose the area of need. If you got a weakness, guess what? Stay away. Stay away. How do you develop convictions? Number four, look at this. Decide whether it's worth living and or dying for. The next thing, how do you develop convictions? Settle issues of life before you're forced to. I know what I'm going to do if any situation happens in my life. You know why? I've already looked into God's Word, and it tells me what to do. Flee! Which way to run? The opposite. And the last thing, begin to make devouring God's Word as important as eating. Folks, the reason I can do and the reason I know what I know and I do what I do is because I spend time and I spend time as the worship team comes. Psalm chapter 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart. But in your notes in 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, Make every effort to be found spotless and blameless at peace with him, with Jesus. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know how you never fail? Grow in the grace and the knowledge grow in God's Word. And the last thing I want to read to you just real quick, and it's going to be on the screen, is John chapter 3. We all know the first part of the passage. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But that's where we stop. You know why? It's easy to believe that. And it's nice to believe that. And it's comfortable to believe that. The part that comes after is the part that we don't like. Oh, we love the fact that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believes is not condemned. But he who does not believe is already condemned. is on a banana peel headed to hell. And the only reason is because they reject the only truth that can set them free, and that's God's Word. The only hope that can set them free, God's Word. Well, it's not for today. Has God really said, It doesn't apply to my life. Has God really said? Well, that was for then. This is now. Has God really said? The devil doesn't deny God's word. But the deceiver can be sitting right next to you in God's house. And just lean over to you and says, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. And to that I would answer, you're right. But the one I'm talking about knows what he's talking about. Why is deception so deceptive? Next week we have a wonderful speaker going to be speaking for us. He is the head of this men's ministry called Maximize Manhood. Paul Cole is going to speak for us next Sunday. Wives, tell every wife you know Whether they come to the Friday, Saturday or not, they need to be here Sunday morning. He might not come to the men's event, but he might come to church. Tell everyone. These are all in the bulletin. If you need extras, we would love to give them to you. See this guy, stand up over here, Dan. Stand, stand. See this guy over here? Okay. Don't sit down. He'll have Whatever you need. He'll have all the information. He'll tell you how to sign up for it. But wives, tell every wife you know, every girlfriend you know about this event and about next Sunday morning. He's going to be here speaking. It will transform your life if you let it. I told you all I was going to preach on the end times this month. So next Sunday after Paul preaches, the following Sunday, I am going to start on the end times. And I may scare the hell out of some of you. I, I don't know. But it'll only be those that aren't applying this. Amen? Amen? Well, that's all I got to say this morning.